hello, and welcome to Into the Aether. It's a low-key video game podcast, and my name is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. We are one episode out from Goaty 2020, which we released earlier than we ever have, I, I realized. Last year's yeah. came out in 2020 also. We've technically released two Goaty episodes in 2020. Last year's came out like the first week of January. Uh, yeah, because it was right after, it was like back to back with Games of the Decades. Yeah. So it was like a bunch of <laughs> yeah. bunch of lists just thrown at you. Um, <laughs> and we love listing things here in the Aether. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, this is the earliest we've done, and I think we'll have our bonus episode later in the month to kind of uh, sign off December. Um, but I just want to take a moment to, I guess, thank you all. I mean, it's hard to even recognize, but we, we've gotten a lot of... Like more than ever, a lot of positive feedback about that episode in particular and notice like a lot more people kind of speaking about the show and, and how much they've been enjoying it. And I just want to thank you for your kind words. Like, honestly, it's it's a lot. Um, I think that episode, like we always put a lot of care into the show, but that episode took a lot of work and it was a big group effort between our guests se- sending us, you know, their contributions to it. Um, the episode art, AJ's editing and just yeah, like AJ needing to be talent and editor <laughs> <laughs> and and just like the time the con like i never want time spent playing games for this show to be too job adjacent but that episode required like a lot of revisiting a lot of like you know it just it just took more effort than usual and it felt like it paid off based on the response we got so i'm really happy you all enjoyed it so much and thank you for your kind words yeah it, it was uh definitely kind of like a whirlwind month i think leading up to it. i mean i i think like what the second to last week of november is when you and i were like no more new games only goatee stuff <laughs> no 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 just a couple yeah uh but even still ended up checking out other games which then you know made you know the the weekly episodes still possible while also revisiting everything for Goaty. So yeah, there was a lot going on there, but it was a really fun episode. It's so silly, I think, in a lot of instances to be like, you know, th- this is like a big bombastic like tentpole event for us, you know, because it's just like we're ranking video games that we played throughout the year. I think like there, there's, a, there's a lens that you could look at this through that's just like, this is all very silly. And it is, don't get me wrong, but there is kind of like a weird pomp and circumstance, I think, to you and I about about the Goaty episode. It's just like a celebration of like you and I being able to like have this outlet and I, I i really appreciate being able to do that and and i'm glad that people respond well to it it's really it's really wonderful regarding your point like i think we opened that episode pretty clearly like this is all subjective you know yeah but i still really enjoy it honestly yeah. i don't care how silly it is brendan i love yeah. it no right? i agree with you i'm with you i i i i have to uh recognize the inherent silliness of uh the the goatee season but that right, said right. i mean it, it is you know a celebration of I think a medium that we feel very strongly about. Um, Yeah, totally. And it is fun, I think now being like out of the woods of goatee like we can kind of explore yeah, and do whatever i feel great i yeah. feel free it's you, awesome you and i have already been like playing some like real wild shit which is great <laughs> uh we have like yeah. a bunch of stuff like in the pipeline that's fun just like checking out some stuff from 2020 that we missed and things like that so that's really fun i'm i've mentioned it a lot but i'm like planning on playing death stranding for real uh when it's like deep winter you know like af- <laughs> after winter is fun you know like winter's fun for a while you get some snow and then there's the holidays and it's new year whoa hell yeah this is great and then like after that it's just like dearth sadness mire this is true nothing 
that's when I'm playing Death Stranding. I'm so excited for it. <laughs> <laughs> and more power to you. Yeah, I mean that would be a, that's going to be a very interesting experience to play that game during those months right now. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I, I, I just want to echo everything you're saying. I mean, it, it was so cool to see the outpouring of support and love for that Goatee episode. So thank you all so much for listening. And if you're new, uh, all, thanks for hopping on the, the train foreshadowing asterisk yeah Yeah. uh anyway (laughs) uh yeah thanks for joining us um i I should just mention at the top because we haven't done this at the top in a long time but um i I guess it's just worth saying like hey if you want to follow us all over the place into the cast online is the url that you should click on type into your browser hit the enter button and go to that it has links to twitter instagram twitch youtube our email address the patreon links to subscribe on every platform but you're already listening to this so i assume you're subscribed already but if you're not maybe go do that that'd be great um and yeah we're just all over the internet and you can just follow us anywhere you want but into the cast online is the place to do that yeah there's also a link to the discord but a lot of people have joined the discord this week too so <laughs> you're gonna say there's also linkedin i'm like i didn't know about that I'm going to secretly make a LinkedIn for the show one day. I endorse me for games. <laughs> <laughs> you joke, but there was a there was a period there. I, I've had this like weird, long love hate relationship with LinkedIn where I think it's the funniest website online, but it's also completely useless and is only important because LinkedIn says it is. Yeah. But like everyone's kind of bought into it, I guess. Uh, and there was a point there for a while where I was just getting all of my friends to endorse me for computers because because I, I thought it was so funny. And I have like yeah. 55 endorsements for computers on my LinkedIn right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome i just i i have to appreciate the emails i get from linkedin that are like steven you're getting noticed it's like this is nothing <laughs> i don't care that like my bully and a recruiter looked at my profile like we don't need to revisit this i did i did have a big realization it was like maybe a year ago at this point i i signed on to linkedin.com and i was just like looking at the you know create a post that's like floating at the top when you log in and like it has all the same options that like Tumblr and Facebook has. And the only reason people aren't using it that way is because like LinkedIn says it's a professional network. You could just do whatever you it's like money. Like money's not real. It's only real because we say it is like LinkedIn being the professional <laughs> network is only real because LinkedIn <laughs> says that and everybody buys into it. All you have to do is post a meme with like minions on it to LinkedIn once <laughs> and you just like shatter the entire facade of what LinkedIn is. Yeah, so you know, if you got some spare time. So anyway, these are the kinds of games we're playing post Goaty. <laughs> <laughs> post Goaty, I've been really just re-examining my professional portfolio, and <laughs> endorsing friends for minions, and purging um, my connections. Uh, so Brenda, now that we've got LinkedIn out of the way, I'd love to discuss Finally. the first game. Finally, it's been on uh, our chest for so long. <laughs> I, I feel Goaty was a late LinkedIn was another way, and now I'm totally free. <laughs> now, now I'm free, and I can finally talk. I do like our like Sunday morning. Morning energy. This feels like the most Sunday morning energy we've had in a long time, honestly. Yeah, like vaguely hungover and like yeah. uh, talking about. We'll uh, get we'll get to why that is <laughs> in the break. In the break. Um, but the first game we wanted to talk about in this episode, this lovely Sunday morning is monster train it is a game that got a lot of attention this year that i couldn't play because i think it was pc only up until recently yeah um they just added it to game pass and visually and gameplay wise it is very clear it has a very clear influence from slay the spire which is one of our favorite games yeah and i gotta say brendan in this winter time like you said in this holiday season i get this kind of cosmic pull to play card games i don't know what it is (laughs) like i had this kind of devil poking at my shoulder to maybe re-download hearthstone i swatted it away yeah i have 
have dreams about, oh, no, I'm back into Magic the Gathering. I wake up in a cold sweat. Yeah. Um, you just really want to sit in a tavern that's entirely made of wood. <laughs> and even the like benches and tables are made of wood. Yeah, and, like man. Drink some ale and throw a card give on me, the table. Yeah. Give me a Witcher 3 game where I'm not Geralt, but I'm just someone who plays Gwent. And that's the whole game. Like, I'm just like a traveling monk who plays Gwent. Before any listeners tweet at us or mention anything in the Discord that, Stephen, you could just download the Gwent game. I know what you're talking about. You very specifically want an RPG where you're able to walk around a tavern and play Gwent. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I don't want to just me, Stephen, play Gwent. I want to make someone who plays Gwent. Yes. I want that <laughs> being John Malkovich level of indirect responsibility. <laughs> Give me a being John Malkovich game where I just play magic against other people. <laughs> anyway, um, I really like those kind of games. I mean, like, I really loved Hearthstone back in the day, and I played yeah, Magic in college. Um, and, like, Not me I always too. really liked that, but I think both of those games require a lot of money. And I feel like are a little bit predatory in the way, like, you end up just spending money on this stuff. I you totally know? agree, um, yes. And, that you know, was why I, think, I stopped playing Hearthstone initially, was, yeah. A, I looked at my bank statement at the end of the year, I was like, I can't believe I spent that much money on Hearthstone. And then, B, yeah. they, at a certain point, they were like, the cards you bought are useless now. <laughs> okay, cool. Right. Great. And and magic, like I have a lot of friends who are like really into magic and that's awesome. And like there's a cool, I, I guess there can be like a nice sense of community around it, but I just don't have enough friends who play to justify like, you know, spending that money in that time. Yeah. But I want to have that experience. Like I said, I want a Gwent game. I want a being John Malkovich magic game. Um, honestly, just while we're on the subject, the Pokemon trading card game, fucking awesome. Very underrated. Of all the of all the spin-offs of Pokemon, that is a game where you are it's like in the lens of the Pokemon journey. Like you meet a professor, but he gives you a deck instead of a starter. <laughs> and you just go around to different clubs and fight people via. Oh, you're talking Pokemon about the Game Boy cards. one. Yeah, man. I'm talking yeah. about the Pokemon trading card game game. Yes. Yes. It was good. I agree. It's yeah. really good. There is there is like soundtrack. a downloadable kind of like Hearthstone Gwent kind of thing that you can play right now that is also the Pokemon oh, trading cool. card game. Which yeah. I've heard good things about if you're into it, but I do I do also have a very soft spot for that Game Boy game. Yes. Very silly that that exists. Yeah. I I love that kind of drama. You know, it's like there's an elite <laughs> four of Pokemon card yeah. players. So all that to say, uh, Slay the Spire, when we played that last year, was like immediately one of my favorites because it had, it scratched all those itches that I want in a fun card game where there's strategy and there's deck building. Yeah. But it was just like a single player experience. You know, you didn't have to spend any money past buying the game. And it is like, I mean, Slay the Spire is, I think, and we'll talk about this a lot because I think that both the games we're going to talk about today are like different uh takes on that formula mm-hmm. but say the spire to me is like the gold standard for a deck builder roguelike you know even in a post hades world say the spire is one of the roguelikes that i think is doing enough of its own thing that i can play it alongside hades and not just want to play hades instead um <laughs> yeah so monster train um i have to admit i was a little bit ambivalent on because it just looked so much like say the spire yeah. like it had it it has a very um like say the spire looks like a sega game in the best way possible like it has a very interesting aesthetic that i really love monster train looks more like a blizzard game uh so it has yeah. more of that like blizzard art style but it has the same kind of like animation like the slow breathing of the characters poses and like the attack animation and the the look of the cards and how you play them like 
looked very set of spire. So yeah, the first, cards like, to me specifically look exactly like Hearthstone cards. Yeah, yeah, and, and they're that high like, fidelity. And I think I think I think that's the point you're trying to make. It feels it feels like a triple A version of what Slay the Spire is going for aesthetically. But Slay the Spire's aesthetic is is wholly its own and is beautiful and wonderful. Yeah, yeah, it's really it's I, I love the look of that game. So with Monster Train. Uh, you know, it, at first glance, I wasn't like super interested, but I heard a lot of good things. Like it was, a, it was a very popular game in the Discord. From what little I saw, like you know, yeah. in passing in the in the general games chat, and I heard a number of different people and publications like talk about this game. Um, and it seemed like it's it was doing enough of its own thing that I was curious about it. Um, you checked it out because they added it to Game Pass, and you were like, "You have to get this." You yes, yeah. you know, uh, you're normally not that direct. So whenever you are, I I think it's it's definitely easier when it's on Game Pass. I'll, I'll say that much. Sure. If, if it oh, was yeah. like twenty bucks, I would be a little bit less like you have to get this. I think. Um, yeah. But because it's on Game Pass, it's like a no brainer. Because I I know you love Slay the Spire. When I downloaded Slay when Slay the Spire came out for Switch, there was like a month or two there where I was like m- the most at peace I've ever been in my whole life. Just like being able to come home from work and then like eat dinner and then climb into bed and play Slay the Spire for like an hour or two before bed was like weirdly one of my like fondest gaming memories of the year that that happened yeah so anything that's inspired i i think i'm a little bit uh askew from your view on these kinds of things where like anything that's trying to be like slay the spire i'm immediately kind of interested in like i i would like to see other takes on a similar formula um and just see how games inspire other games especially something like this that is like trying to be like bigger more bombastic and like 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 a michael bay version of slay the spires kind of like quiet (laughs) melancholy Yeah. And and I think that this game fucking nails it. I mean, my first run, I, I streamed my first run uh, the other day, so you can go find that on the YouTube. But I, I streamed my first run and I expected it to, like Slay the Spire, be like kind of like a 45 minutes to an hour long experience and was like two hours of high octane nonsense. And I like Ooh, wow. had a really, really good time with it. And I've only done one run since, which was like literally right before we started recording and made it all the way to the end and then failed again. But I think in that second run, I learned a lot more or at least like, picked up on a lot more of the key differences and why I think this game is succeeding for some people where Slay the Spire is not and vice versa. Because I do think having played it more, they're re- they really are different games for different people, even though they seem very similar on the surface. Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, Slay the Spire, uh, for, for just to give you a little bit about the games themselves, like an overview mechanically, Slay the Spire is a game where you choose a character who is basically a different deck. So there's the Ironclad, the silent, the defect, I love him, and the watcher, who's the new character. And like each character, like the game, I think, opened in early access with like just one character at a time. And then when it was yeah. 1.0, they released the three of them. And they only added the watcher somewhat recently. Um, so, like, the reason I bring that up is because those characters are polished as hell. Like the design of each of those characters is so rich and like each one will kind of broadcast a few strategies to you right away, but there's so much depth to each of them. And, and basically how say the spire plays for those unfamiliar is like, you are ascending this tower as this character and you know, when you're looking, if, if you're in an encounter with an enemy, you have your deck of cards and uh, it broadcasts what the enemy is going to do the next turn. So if they're going to attack you, it will say, like, it's going to attack for 41 or whatever. So it's a really good way to kind of use that information to form your strategy for what you're going to play. And it's really fast. I think the game I played before, say, The Spire, that I also really liked, that was a deck builder, uh, SteamWorld Quest, that game was awesome, but... Having played Say the Spire right after it, the speed in which like you choose a card and it plays right away rather than like 
choosing cards and then seeing them play out was like mm-hmm. a little bit like that little difference made a big difference for me or that little change made a big difference for me but anyway like inside the spire that's sort of how encounters work but you also have like this map of the floor of the tower and you can choose which direction to go in so be like okay do i go down this route where it's like encounter encounter shop random event blah 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 it really does feel like a kind of singular D experience where like Uh, You're just sort of like uh, experiencing these sort of randomly determined events and the random events inside the spire, I think are what really put it over for me because it's so silly and so fun. Like what can happen in those instances is like so clever. It's a really incredible game. I almost don't want to say anything more. If you haven't played say the spire, it's like one of the favorite games of the show. It was in talk about goatee stuff. It was in our top five of last year and like probably will remain there forever. Yeah. It's a game I've played a lot of this year. I haven't really, yeah. I haven't talked about it at all this year on, on the show, but I've played a lot of it. Uh, it also got released for iPad and iOS this year, which is like, it, if you can get it there, you might as well yeah. get it, you know? So that brings us to Monster Train, which I think the biggest immediate difference visually with Monster Train is that you're not just choosing a character, but you're choosing two factions. Uh, the story, which I need to talk about. Uh, yeah, uh, I really story. need to go in on the story because, <laughs> man. <laughs> the story of Monster Train is, uh, it, the, you turn the game on, it says, Welcome to Hell, which is like another kind of zeitgeist of 2020. I thought there's a lot of games about like saving hell, yeah. uh, weirdly. Um, but you are... <laughs> You are one of hell's many factions and heaven is getting all high and mighty and they want to get rid of the underworld, not knowing that doing so would also probably get rid of heaven. That's the implication I got is yeah. like you can't have one without the other and if, or, or at the very least just not having hell throws off the balance of the universe in a way that's like too rigid, yeah. you know, yeah. you need a little loosey goosey rock and roll hell for every like metallic seraphims kind of you know bummer square um (laughs) so uh that's my epitaph anyway there's literally a train hence monster train and the train has what's called the pyre which is sort of like the health of the train that's like if if that pyre goes to zero you lose and they need to get the pyre to like the heart of hell to reignite the flames of the underworld because right now it's all kind of like icy and melty because heaven's like i don't like hell yeah i want to get rid of it yeah Um, they're literally trying to freeze over hell yes yeah uh when hell freezes over hey you lose your run of monster train (laughs) so that's the story and and because of that each encounter takes place in the train and there are there are three floors to it so a lot of the encounter is about like okay where do I place uh, certain creatures, you know, on each floor? Like, you know, when a, when creatures first show up, they are usually on the bottom floor and then they'll make their way up. And then the top of the train is the pyre in which they will attack and lower the train's overall health. But the pyre also fights back. So and there are things you can do that might upgrade the health the pyre has or how much damage the pyre does. But ideally, monsters would never make it to the pyre and you would never have to have the pyre fighting or taking damage. Yeah, if you're good at the game. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not. Um, Me either. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm getting better. But uh, but basically, it's it's weird because in immediate contrast to say the spire, so you have like this this element of of like verticality and like thinking of the physical space and Which, planning. I do think it's worth that. reiterating: the train does not go horizontally; the train goes vertically. It is a it train with one car that is a tower that is yeah. towering four stories into the air. For Which some is reason. a little bit unintuitive at first, but ends up 
becoming really thrilling and I think it makes this game feel a little bit more like a full-fledged D&D battle than like a singular adventure. Yes, absolutely. You know? And I think it definitely comes closer to like feeling like Magic the Gathering versus like I guess like Arkham Horror or whatever Slay the Spire is pulling from mm-hmm. where it's like a singular you're playing against some kind of NPC. Yeah, it's it's really cool and what's neat is that when you choose your faction you choose the main faction and your allied faction. So in the beginning, there are two. There's one that's like all devils and imps and stuff. Yeah. And the other faction is like kind of Feywilds, like uh, trees that are all about like defense and healing. So I immediately liked that it wasn't just all demons. Like there was a, immediately some variety. And basically, the most important thing is when you choose your main faction, you get a champion who is a, a card that costs zero and like ends up being like your best your best unit or or the center of your strategy like the the devils get this guy who like as you upgrade your champion he like gets uh rage and the more he gets hit the more damage he does back stuff like that yeah the ability to attack more than once per turn things like that like it's it, yeah it, yeah the, the more you upgrade your champion the more uh that thing just becomes unstoppable which rules it's a great feeling. And, I, and i think having the ability to to have two factions in one deck is like really opens the door to how much you can make your own strategy here yeah. i think i think for people who played slay the spire but not monster train the the best way of uh the best way of illustrating it might be like you're able to pick the ironclad as the character you're playing as but you pick the silence deck to use yeah that's a good that's a good point yeah um and it also ties into magic in that most magic decks will be two elements so like you know uh do you want to do like a mountain and swamp deck or like an island and plains deck i know that means nothing to you maybe but like it is immediately like uh if you're familiar with magic at all there's like a clear parallel with a lot of them like That's very cool you know the the demons and uh the, there's a thing called um the color pie in magic the gathering where like every element of card always kind of adheres to or a central idea of strategy so like red cards are all about like quick immediate damage and if you made like a red deck it's all about like winning in the first 10 turns basically whereas green are all about like giant creatures that hit really hard which kind of feels like um what some of the factions here are going for um but either way it's like i found that all really exciting and i think the irony of monster train is that there's a lot of information thrown at you and honestly I find it very hard to tell what is happening sometimes. Like, there are so many numbers and icons. And, like, you can push, if you're playing on Xbox, you can push Y and, like, cycle through everything. And it'll tell you exactly what it means, like Slate Aspire. But I just don't find the design especially good. Like, it it feels a little cluttered. I imagine it might feel better either on a handheld device or PC. But on the TV, it's, like, a little bit confusing. That being said, I think this game is weirdly more beginner-friendly than Slate Aspire is. Like, I think that... There's enough stuff you can just kind of throw at the wall that eventually it will work and yeah. you'll learn why. Where I say the Spire, like, you kind of have to, like, just take a lot of defeat before you understand, like, what you need to do to win. Yeah, I, th- um, I think the game is more immediately kind to the player in, in Monster Train mm-hmm. than it is in Slay the Spire. Because, yeah, I, yeah. I agree. I think I think Slay the Spire gets closer to the roguelike element of, like, dying is what's going to teach you how to progress next time. Whereas Monster Train is like, we want you to have fun from your first run. Uh, and they yeah. really make that work. And I agree with you. I think the, I think the UI is a little bit overbearing at times. And I did spend a lot of time, at least in my first and second run, going through and cycling through all the little icons and like seeing what they all mean and like checking what all the status effects mean and things like that. But even so, I, I, I think like as as overwhelming 
underwhelming as that might be at the beginning, like I'm only two runs in at this point, And I think eventually all of that stuff will kind of like lock into place, you know, and the fact that it's fun, even despite that from go, I think is um, just a testament to like stellar game design, even if the even if the UI doesn't like hit yeah. that same high at the start. I, I've won one run now. And what's cool is that whenever you do any, even if you lose, like whatever you've done, you gain experience and you'll level up those factions you're using. And that will add like more potential cards that you can get for those decks. Yeah. Um, and you also unlock more factions. There's a lot. I, there's a lot to unlock. I just got the Stygian Guard, who I immediately love. They're all very like mollusk and like shellfish esque, but oh, they're cool. magicians. Yeah. So like, I just unlocked them. I haven't even checked them out yet. Yeah. So whereas the Devils are very much like all about rage and armor and like kind of like almost an ironclad strategy, and the uh, the other faction that's like more foresty are all about healing and like defense and maybe like the ability to draw more cards, like more support. They are all about status effects and using spells for direct damage. So the leader is like this little imp with a wand who uh, can cast weak on them, which makes them more susceptible. Like, you know, in the beginning, all decks have like one mana healing spells and one mana fireballs and like one mana summon or creatures at the, the, the guards on the train or whatever. Yeah. Or the, yeah, the stewards. If a creature is hit by weak, a fireball that normally would do two damage suddenly does like exponentially more. Um, so he's a great creature to put on the first level of the train to sort of like cast bubbles on all the creatures that come in and hit them with frostbite that does damage over time and weak so then you're suddenly just like throwing fireballs at everyone just destroying them so those decks are much more about using spells and a lot of the creatures in those decks uh will like there's one that's like a big shark <laughs> with a shield and the more spells you god i am so excited talking about this <laughs> the more spells you throw down the more armor it gets so like there's immediately a lot of synergy there that that is a little bit harder to parse in the earlier decks at least it was for me yeah so like You'll eventually find a deck that like really works for the strategy you want to go for. And it's so thrilling to like find that and also see like, okay, well, who do I want to pair this with? You know, I paired the Stygian guard with the devils. And like a lot of them were like imps that like, you know, the minute you play them, it does five damage to everyone. So I'm like mm -hmm. combining that with spells, like a mad scientist is very fun. Yeah. It's a great game. And what's cool too, is that another thing that is a little bit more friendly to the player in this game than in Slay the Spire. And Slay the Spire, you can choose which route to go down, but it's kind of like your best guess at what will actually happen. Like you're given a legend, but it's very unclear. Like, okay, here's a random event. I don't know if it's going to be good or bad, but I can, I can take my best shot and go for it. In monster train, you're literally on the tracks and your train will stop and there'll be two diverging paths and it will say exactly what you get on each path. And they're all benefits. So it's right. like, you're only getting benefits before your next battle, um, which I think is another thing that makes it just like a little bit friendlier. Yeah, uh, to absolutely. The and, and and there is still an element of randomness in there, right? So like you, oh, yeah. you'll get a thing, like maybe down one path is a thing that allows you to get an artifact. You still don't know what the artifacts are going to be and they might not be helpful, right? You might be towards the end of your run and like the artifact that pops up is like, hey, if you have imps in your deck, you're going to, I don't know, do more damage every time you place one down. It's like, I don't have any imps in my deck and this is the last uh, stop before nothing. the fight. Yeah, like that <laughs> That, that is still possible. Right. Um, but what I have found, at least, is that the the stops along those tracks in between battles 
are just like wild in the ways they change your game mid run. Oh, yeah. Um, and I think that's where a lot of the fun lies for me is like, okay, I've picked up this, this uh, one unit that has, you know, one health, but does 30 attack or something. And then I immediately find a marketplace that allows me to just add 30 health to any unit I want. And suddenly that thing is unstoppable, you know, like yeah. suddenly that thing goes from glass cannon to like maybe the thing I'm basing my entire deck around, which is really, really cool. Every unit can have up to two upgrades like that too. So you could even get another one later. That's like, okay, now it attacks twice every turn or now it attacks every enemy that's on the train uh, every time it, it moves or something, which is really cool. So you get that kind of stuff. And then they also do have like slay the spire, the random events, but I haven't seen a negative one yet. I tend to choose that path that allows me to see the random events because I'm trying to see if there's a negative one that'll pop up eventually. But they all seem to be beneficial. It's just like, what kind of beneficial are they? Um, and some of them will even stack and, and, and encourage you to pick the random event multiple times. So like I found this one where this guy asked me if I was like strong of heart or if I was a thief or something. And if I was strong of heart, I just got like a bunch of gold right off the bat. But if I was a thief, he gave me a little like uh, like a little knife that allowed me to do damage uh, when I'm like, it's a card that got added to my deck that allowed me to do damage to an enemy. And if I killed the enemy with that card, I would get 50 gold every time, which is great. And then later on in my run, I went and found another random event uh, thing that allowed me to use that that knife card as a lock pick to uh, pick open some chests and it broke that card and I lost it. But then I immediately got like 300 gold out of the deal. That's awesome. Um, so that kind of stuff I find really thrilling as well. Um, I, I think that like the way they've incorporated the artifacts kind of like Slay the Spire um, mm. and, and the unit upgrades and the way they give you units um, just makes it more thrilling i think immediately because even in slay the spire there are artifacts that are negative and and are bad for you to pick up um, yeah. and like will cost you gold that you have to not pick a thing up in some instances and and monster train seems to want you to win more often than not at least in the, at the beginning and what's kind of cool about that is when you beat the game for the first time so my first run i ended up winning somehow but when you beat the game for the first time they just immediately like hades add like essentially what are heats which allows you to just make the game more challenging in kind of whatever way you want. There are different ways to apply a higher difficulty. And when you do that, you get more experience and more rewards. So it's kind of like encouraging you to continue winning, but also to increase the difficulty. So you will eventually bump up against some kind of difficulty spike, uh, but it's all going to be self-imposed. It's all because you chose to do that, which I yeah, think is really and, great. And by the time you unlock that, I think you'll have a lot more options too. Like you'll have more cards and more factions to choose from and a better understanding of the game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the only negative random event, going back to that real quick, that I found was like, there was a thing where it's like, oh, okay, I can get gold at the cost of my pyre's health, like stuff like that. Mm. Um, but yeah. you're right, for the most part, it seems pretty positive. And I think what's cool too is that one of the things about, say, the Spire that is kind of unintuitive is that after playing that game enough and after getting to the, like, when you get to the third act of, say, the Spire, it is a notable jump in difficulty. <laughs> yeah. And that's really, it's kind of like FTL where it's like you get to the final ship and it's like, if you haven't been like prepping for this and this alone, you lost basically. Right. There's a point in Act Three of Set of Spire where if you haven't been like optimizing your deck, you basically lose. And one of the things that you have to start doing is getting rid of cards that are no longer worth it, which is not really something you would register while playing for the first time. So like, you know, every every character in Set of the Spire has those one cost, like do three damage or do three block. And at a certain point, unless you've upgraded those, 
they're not going to give you enough for that cost, you know, like at that point in the game that like you either have to upgrade them or get rid of them. Monster Train kind of teaches you that that's something you should be doing right away because a thing you encounter a lot are these vortexes that just get rid of two cards. And what's cool too is that it's not just like, okay, these are the cards to get rid of. It really depends on what deck you're building. Like the one I just mentioned, the uh, Stygian Guard, the Nautical Wizards, (laughs) they love spells. It's probably worth hanging on to all your fireballs and upgrading them, but you might get rid of the train stewards or the, uh, you know, other things. And they, you encounter them often enough that like, if you pick up a card and you're like, ah, this one isn't really worth, like I picked up stupidly, I picked up a four mana like big demon that just I had no space for in my uh, <laughs> nautical wizard deck. So I'm like, this guy needs to get the hell out of here, yeah. literally. Uh, so I threw him into the vortex and I felt great about it. And you see them <laughs> enough that like, you know, you can kind of you can kind of pick things up and not feel like oh, I just completely fucked over my run. Like yeah. there's enough leeway there. <laughs> see ya, <laughs> just pushing him off the train. I wish that was an animation. Like get the hell out of here. Um, <laughs> So yeah, it's it's a really fun game. I mean, I'm probably going to play it as soon as we're done recording, like all day. Um, <laughs> it is a great winter game. Um, my only gripe with it is that I wish it was on Switch, which I think it will eventually come to. It's got to come to Switch, right? Because this is like peak handheld stuff. Like I, I do think that like it is a disservice to have to play it on a TV. But yeah, it's great. I mean, again, I have some gripes with like the UI and, uh, you know, like little stuff like that. But it is such a fun time. I, I highly recommend it. I think it's also like it can even though it's clearly inspired by, say, the Spire, they are occupying very different places. Um, and it's cool to see like them take what that game did well and run in a different direction with it. Um, so I think if you yeah. like one, you'll you know, you might prefer one over the other. But I think that if you enjoy one, you will probably enjoy both of these games. Yeah, I think that's true, too. And I and I think um, just like uh, on the surface level, the thing I kind of want to hammer home is like, I don't think that this is just like kind of a straight rip off of Slay the Spire. I think I think it is different enough that it is worth trying both, especially if you have Game Pass, because they're both on Game Pass, believe it or not. Um, yeah. So like try both and see which one you land on. I, I think the the easiest thing for me to say about Monster Train versus Slay the Spire is like if you like the act of building the deck more than actually like doing the fights, uh, then Slay the Spire is probably the way for you to go versus Monster Train, which is less about the actual deck that you're building, I think, in some instances, and more about the actual tactical strategy of where you're placing units and when. I actually don't know if I believe that now that I've said it out loud. It might be the inverse. I honestly think it's just different. You know, I think it really is like it's not a hot take, really. Yeah. But I think like I'm trying to think. I feel like if you're more into roguelikes than deck builders, you will like say the Spire more. Because yeah, it has you might be, more actually, I that. think that's maybe a better way of illustrating it. I think both have really cool deck building mechanics, but I think that like there's more of a Hearthstone magic vibe with Monster Train. Yeah. Uh, that might scratch that itch more than Slay the Spire would. Which I do feels think to my point, like actually, though, is like, I think in some instances, Slay the Spire, you can fuck yourself over by not building it. As you were saying earlier, like if you don't build the deck the right way in the right order or like luck doesn't isn't on your side in a lot of instances, like that can fuck you up, you know, a yeah. floor later than you think it might. Whereas Monster Train, I think it might be a little bit easier to like come back from the brink with a shittier deck. Yeah, because you also you get cards more often in Slay the Spire. Like at event at a certain point, you might just start saying no. But what's great yeah. and i wish say the spire had this what's great about monster train is that if you say you can say no to cards as well like if yeah. all the rewards are like i don't want either i don't i don't have any space in my uh, 
political wizard deck for these <laughs> demons or trees, um, you can say no and it will give you gold instead. Yeah. Which is cool. So yeah. Which I yeah, found I myself love. doing a lot of already. And, Me too. And yeah. I do wonder how much of my like success and immediate love of Monster Train stems from how much Slay the Spire I've played. Like I, I do think that maybe that there is an element to that that's like you and I have played enough like deck builder games where we kind of have that like intuition that like, oh yeah, you should get rid of some cards when given the opportunity. Yeah. Um, I, think I think you're so. right that Monster Train like lays it out a little bit easier and, and they, they kind of force it on you. Not force it on you, but like they present you with the option so often that you should probably consider why. But I, I do wonder like how much of how much of our love of Monster Train stems from Slay the Spire. But that said, I mean, it's great. And I understand why this is on a lot of people's like goatee 2020 lists. It, it's it's I don't think it's one of those immediate like uh, shit like this would have been on my list if I had played it more. But I am glad to be playing it now and I'm going to play a lot more of it. Unfortunately, it can't be my morning stream game, which I'm bummed about. I don't know if people know that if you're new here, uh, I, I stream every weekday morning generally on our Twitch uh, before work. And this game takes about two hours, like an, an hour and a half to two hours to play each run uh, so far, at least. And that is way too long. I'm not going to get up a half an hour earlier. Thank you very much. <laughs> Just for Monster Train? What am I? <laughs> an angel? Um, uh, but yeah, Monster Train rules. And I, I do hope it comes. I actually just looked it up while we were talking about it, and it looks like uh, the current the current will it or won't it uh, get ported to Switch is pretty much like is it doing well enough financially? If so, then we'd love to bring it to Switch, and uh, yeah. I imagine that it will only do better now that it's on Game Pass. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, definitely check it out if you have PC or Game Pass. Uh, super worth it. And I think we're going to talk about another uh, game that's been inspired by Slay the Spire in some ways after the break. So it'd be cool to kind of talk about both of the games side by side because they're very different approaches yeah. on that influence. Absolutely. Cool. cool. You, you want, want to take a, a quick break oh, and wow. uh, yes. meet some nautical mollusks? I would love to. I would love nothing more. Hell yeah. All what, right. a, what is a... What is Ammonite, the Pokemon based off of? What is that called? Oh my god, the fossil Pokemon? Yeah. Let me look Let me look this up. I gotta know. I can't just say I don't know and then move to break. This is gonna <laughs> haunt me. Ammonite influence. Inspiration. <laughs> I just googled Ammonite inspiration. Because they can like change color and do a bunch of cool shit. Cephalopods? Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Like uh, squids. A cephalopod. I think that's how it's pronounced. Yeah. These are so cool. Mm -hmm. Well, see you later. Almanite <laughs> 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 for Smash. <laughs> Look, I know what you all want, and you want to follow up to leakage.mp3. Um, <laughs> that's right. Leakage.mp4. <laughs> Brendan and I in that in that cursed unsanctioned bonus episode where we talked about we had to like as soon as possible talk about the Sephiroth reveal in Smash Brothers which they showed at the Game Awards and we did so if you want our fresh thoughts on Sephiroth they exist in audio format uh, at this point he is available if you have the season two pass you can fight our guy Sephiroth in HP mode, which feels like weird. Yeah, it's but bizarre. You fight him in HP mode, and if you beat Sephiroth between now and I think... It's when this episode uh, comes out. It's when this episode comes out. Like, he'll, um, he'll actually be available to everybody by the time this episode comes out. Um, but if you want him early, or if you wanted him early, uh, you could beat him, and he shows up. And we both did, and we yeah. both played a Sephiroth. We played a lot of Smash last night with our friends Will and Pablo. A uh, shout-out to you both. Thank you for your time. And... Uh, Great job out there. But uh, we played as Sephiroth at this point, and I think we just wanted to talk about how he is and how we've been enjoying it. I yeah. will say right off the bat, uh, maybe broken like I thought, um, but either way, just incredibly fun to play as. Like yeah. a really good addition. 
I'll, I'll, yeah, I, so I watched the, uh, Mr. Sakurai presents quote Sephiroth unquote, which was a very like ominous title for that. Yeah. Love that. But, uh, I, I watched that and had a really interesting time because like every time he announced like a new, not announced, but every time he showed off like a new move that Sephiroth had, it was just like, oh my God, this is even more broken than the last time. And there's this point (laughs) where it was like, he hasn't even talked about the special moves yet. We're only talking about like the, the normal a, like neutral a, a. Yeah. yeah it's like oh my god um, and then once we started getting into the special moves it was like this dude is uh, he's gonna just fucking annihilate like it almost felt to me at times like sakurai just created this character to fuck with the competitive scene because he was like so clearly broken and and in practice in actually playing as sephiroth i i don't think that that's the case but like in this stream specifically i was like there is no way that sephiroth is going to be available to play in tournaments because he yeah. is just like too overpowered which you joked about in leakage.mp3 like that should be the case sephiroth like if you're adding him to a fighting game he should be so wildly busted i mean think about <laughs> even the implication of his announcement video right is like the giant uh like ultimate evil of super smash brothers ultimate spirit mode you know, that kills everyone in the original opening cutscene except Kirby, who like just escapes with their life. Uh, Sephiroth just slices it right in half. You know, like I think I think that that maybe was going to carry over. And then I started playing a Sephiroth. and I don't think that that's really the case as much. Uh, but I do think that like, man, am I going to play a lot of Sephiroth? Here's the deal. There are two things that I think prevent Sephiroth. I mean, who knows? I think it's going to take a while to really know like where Sephiroth falls in, you know, the tier lists. Um, but I do think that the two things that are holding him back from like feeling immediately busted are his recovery is not great. Yeah. And he's a little slow. Like a lot of his attacks leave him open afterwards. So mm-hmm. he kind of feels a little bit like Ganondorf weirdly, but yes. like with a sword and fireballs. Yeah. Well, yeah. With a sword that's half the size of Final destination the entire size of a battlefield platform is how the big thing, the sword is the thing that might need some tweaking is the fireball so his neutral b if you hold it he charges up his fireball kind of like samus and he can hold on to it like samus so you can save it for later you know as, oh, i don't as think you can snack oh can you not no oh i dreamt that uh you, but you hold you charge yeah. this fireball and what's interesting is the longer it charges the less distance it goes so if you just tap it he throws like a, a weaker fireball across the stage. Um, but if you fully charge it, it's like basically right in front of you. That fully charged fireball can KO someone at nothing. Yeah. I, I've tested it out. Like it is terrifying. And in a group match, you're going to lose to that fireball at least once. It's just like you yes. might as well just lower one stock when Sephiroth shows up. Like, all right, we're done. Yeah. That's the only move that feels like, all right, come on. Everything else is just very fun. And like, honestly, the uh, HD rumble playing Sephiroth, like when his one wing pops out, it vibrates and oh, this really? feels like kind of intimate but like the controller vibrates in a way when his wing pops out that feels like how it would feel to have <laughs> one wing it's very bizarre it's hard to put into words but i haven't experienced that with any other character but yeah he is i think one of the more fun additions like in, in all of the dlc honestly yeah you also played as steve finally i was just which, about like, to was... say so yeah I, i've been mentioning for a long time that i've just been waiting for a character that was like exciting enough for me to get fighter pack 2 um yeah min min was cool min min from arms i was like interested in the idea of but 
it uh-huh. wasn't like I, I'm not like jumping at the chance to play an arms character, but like yeah. will if the the Sephiroth opportunity presents up. itself, uh, if Sephiroth shows up specifically, is yeah. what I said. I said I will not play as Min Min unless Sephiroth shows up. And hey, yeah. Sakurai, he, he, he just gets me. Um, <laughs> He's got your data. It's probably all those long calls that he and I share. But anyway, yeah, uh, I did. I did finally play as Minecraft Steve uh, in our in our fights last night and just had the worst time. <laughs> I don't want to dunk on him too much because I just I honestly just don't un- even understand like how you're supposed to play that character so I think I'm gonna have to like go spend some time in like training mode and like learn what's actually happening there and like maybe watch the Mr. Sakurai presents Steve you uh, were laughing video. in a way that I haven't ever heard you laugh it was like a true laugh like an ultraviolet laugh <laughs> like you were like crying and you're like what is this and it's like you were just mining the world of Dragon Quest 11 S Echoes and Elusive Age while we're all fighting in the background it was so funny it was you so were bizarre man yeah. yeah, he. I played a little bit of Steve, like when he first was announced, um, just to like see how it felt. Um, and like, I think it's it's safe to say that Steve, Alex, Zombie, and Enderman are the least intuitive characters in the roster, like yeah. by far. Yeah. But I do think that there's some cool stuff you can do with them. There's a way to build blocks in the air, and I feel like anyone who's savvy with that can do some really clever things with like actually preventing recovery and like mm. stuff like that. But it's. It's really like you're actually like for better and for worse. It's like you're playing Minecraft in the middle of Smash Brothers. <laughs> uh, so, you know, take that for what you will. Yeah. Which is a success on on the side of Sakurai and team. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Is yeah. Horrifying in practice. It's as a player. <laughs> It was funny at one point in the night we were all playing random and like certain combinations of characters like just remind you how absurd this is. I think it was like Bayonetta, Cloud, like Enderman and Sonic. We're like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> like, I was reminded yeah. like how absurd. It's like getting closer and closer to PlayStation All Stars. <laughs> right. It's like okay, Nathan Drake versus uh, Parappa the Rapper. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. What was really bizarre about that Sony All-Stars game too is that the levels like weren't specifically one game. Like the levels also mixed and matched the game. So like you would be oh, in the yeah, Parappa right. the Rapper town and Metal Gears would just be walking around. I'm like this is like getting into Yoda and Smash levels of nausea. Like nausea. <laughs> yeah. It's just a little I don't know what it is. It's just a little too uncanny. Yeah. Um as you but keep yeah. mentioning, though, we have three fighters left in the fighters pack. We have three fighters left. I have no idea. I have no clue who's next. Yeah. Uh, three master hands. I feel like master hand might be one of them. I'll say it. Did you imagine? Oh, my God. That's the thing, though. At this point, it doesn't it doesn't even matter. There's no lo- like <laughs> no. They they also showed Gino as a as a me fighter costume, which like Gino from that, Super Mario RPG specifically. Yeah, that was a character that has been like since like 1998. Yeah, been since, asked for. Yeah, since Super Smash 6. 64, like people have wanted yeah. Geno in Smash, yeah. So like that, there's really no one else that's been asked for for that long, other than Waluigi, which I don't truly think will happen. Yeah, um, and the Fortnite so, guy, <laughs> which I don't want to happen. Like we know we joked about Steve, like the Fortnite and Smash. That's just I don't know. I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm old. Maybe I'm out of touch. But that's not something I want necessarily. Steven, I've been playing so much Fortnite recently. I know you have. You sent me images. <laughs> You sent me Captain America doing the Naruto run this morning. That's the first thing I saw when I woke up today. <laughs> that, ex- that explains your vibe today. I get it. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm a little bit cautious because you know I keep an axe next to me when I sleep now. <laughs> <laughs> my thing with my thing with the Fortnite person in Smash, honestly. So like, 
it is very funny every time there is like any kind of smash direct like fortnite does start trending because there are enough people on the internet who do want fortnite represented in smash somehow which is like wild and a whole part of the internet that i'm not involved in but i do wonder how that would actually work like how would you actually implement a fortnite character like what what would you actually get out of that because it would just feel a lot like minecraft i think yeah i mean it could be an echo fighter of steve that would be kind of interesting i would love steve that with the gun yeah i mean i don't know i i, I trust that wh- whoever they choose will be like implemented in a creative way like for better and for worse all the dlc characters have been really unique like i was actually expecting them to because they when they announced like we followed the lead up to ultimate pretty closely and they advertised the idea of echo fighters being fighters who are like basically the same but like a little different and this is an excuse to include other characters more easily and i was expecting a lot more of the dlc to be echo fighters and so far like they have not only not been echo fighters they've been entirely original like not even like loosely inspired by other characters, which is kind of interesting. I have this weird theory about Smash Ultimate that, you know, using Ultimate as the name specifically is like, this is a platform for Super Smash Brothers and is not like a thing that we really intend on making sequels to. This is kind of like the, you know, the end all be all uh, of yeah, Smash. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And I'm, I'm wondering if, you know, they'll... They, they had initially said that they were only going to make one fighter pack and then like they just were inspired and decided to green light a second one and are working their way through it. And I'm wondering when that's done, if A, they continue making another fighter pack or if B, they start doing echo fighter packs specifically that are like we can use a lot of the assets that we've already made and then like still include mm. new people here and there. I, I would really appreciate that. I think that'd be really cool. Um, I don't know how the internet would respond to that, but I think that that would be like a really kind of low lift way of, of adding a bunch of characters to Ultimate and yeah, just make it I feel mean, even more filled out than it already is. I don't need anyone anymore. I, Me I have either. That's every... how I feel post-Sephiroth is like, I don't care who the next three are. I don't even want to like speculate. I don't care. It can be know. the Drew Carey show cast. Like, I <laughs> yeah. don't like, it can yeah. be anyone. Whose line is it anyway? <laughs> it's like, you know, I, I, yeah. I mean, I, I have like the protagonist of some of my favorite games of all time in this game and banjo kazooie like what else do i want yeah you know so yeah i i wonder what they'll do i mean i think i think you're right that there's not going to be like an ultimate 2 or a new smash brothers for a while even when whatever the new switch is i think that they will probably just port this over kind of like mario kart yeah and mario kart feels similar where it's like we're not we can't one-up this this is like the definitive mario kart here it is again with all the dlc i could see that happening like i can see whatever the like the mid-generation switch upgrade is is like you can get smash ultimate you know for full price but it includes everyone yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Um, we'll see what happens. But yeah, I, I think you're right that this is like going to be the Smash game for a long time Yeah, uh, based on the effort they put into it. And it, honestly, like I, I, I obviously like like Melee and the original for what they do differently, but this is for me like the definitive version of Smash Brothers. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I mean, I, as someone who, I, I don't know how much I've talked about it on the show, but as somebody who like spent a lot of time just kind of like, I don't know, worming my way into the Melee community, like just from like a reporting standpoint at one point, I did get very into melee and i understood why that game has kind of like held such a strong community after all these years especially compared to brawl and even smash 4 um, yeah but ultimate to me just seems like the obvious like candidate to be the the capital t smash game forever yeah i agree as, as much as there will always be the melee diehards like smash ultimate is just like i don't know it, it feels like it somehow miraculously is everything for all people yeah totally <clears throat> yeah, no one's like i only play brawl sorry can you set up your Wii real quick? I only play Brawl. <laughs> You'd be surprised, Steven. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize to the Brawl fanatics who are out there. Yeah. Who only play Brawl. You should. Who love to trip. <laughs> <laughs> New Pork City only. All Lucas trips on maximum. That's my, that's my <laughs> favorite game.
Anyway, uh, do you want to go back to the uh, the normal episode? I would love to do game? that. Yeah, let's let's oh, yeah. let's definitely do that. Thank you, Sephiroth. Thanks, Sephiroth. Steven, we're back. I'm so excited to be able to talk to you about a game that I thought wasn't coming out and then ended up coming out. Uh, weirdly enough, there was a Nintendo Direct. It was like an Indie World Direct. Uh, and the two things that like everybody knew for sure going in were that Grindstone, the Apple Arcade game that you and I absolutely loved, mm-hmm. uh, was coming to Switch. And two, that Dicey Dungeons, another kind of deck building adjacent roguelike, uh, was also coming to Switch. And then the Indie World happened, and there was no Dicey Dungeons trailer. There was a Grindstone trailer, and Grindstone did come out immediately after the Direct. But Dicey Dungeons was nowhere to be found until, like, 10 p.m. that night when the developer tweeted out, hey, my game's out, and then it was out on Switch. Uh, (laughs) Very silly. Weird back and forth. Uh, yeah. But honestly, it felt a little bit like a roll of the dice. You know what I mean? You go in, oh, you don't know if it's going to happen or not. Uh, you, you think it's going to land on a one, but bam, you got a six. Uh, and uh, Dicey Dungeons came out. It is a game that I've been looking forward to for a long time. Um, I don't know if we've talked about this as much, but I've been playing this developer's games for like a really long time, like since high school. Who are they? Terry Kavanaugh. It's uh, oh, okay. This guy, he made uh, VVVVV. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, which cool. is awesome. Uh, really great little indie game where you play as this like space cadet who can't jump uh and you're going through like kind of like hellish super meat boy adjacent like platforming rooms but you can you can't jump you can only invert or uh revert gravity so you have to like run on the floor Mm. or on the ceiling uh it's so good um and the game that i spent just like an ungodly amount of time playing in high school which was uh super hexagon um, yeah 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 which uh is a game in which you're a little triangle just like moving around like a really abstract kind of like pulsating place that and you can only move left or right and you just have to like avoid barriers uh and it gets like increasingly more nightmarish both games had soundtracks by uh, an artist who goes by chipsel both of those soundtracks like got me into the idea of making chiptune music like way back in the day and that is why i had like a whole phase of my life where i made chiptune music um so the idea that terry kavanaugh and chipsel were like getting together again to make another game was thrilling to me and then the fact that it ended up being a roguelike this is like hades adjacent you know this is this is like i love <laughs> I everything no idea. Super- this is so hyped for you this is yeah. amazing this is this is like okay. I love everything Supergiant does. I can never really get into it, but maybe a roguelike will be the one for me. Uh, and then you know, Hades, our game of the year, canonically. Dicey Dungeons, kind of a similar boat for me. It was like I already love everything that Terry Kavanaugh has made, and every soundtrack that Chipsel has made has like really worked for me. Um, yeah. So them coming together to make a roguelike, oof, chef kiss moment for me. <laughs> um, no, that's a six. No, that's-, <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> <I asked. laughs> that's a six. I invert the spoon. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> exactly. I'm not going to do that. Hey, 2010, how's it looking? Anyway, Dicey anyway. Dungeons is out on Switch. And uh, I think it was out on PC earlier. I'm not really sure. I imagine so because people have been talking about it for a while. But um, I've just been waiting for it to show up on a platform that I can play it on. Switch is perfect for it. Uh, as we were just saying with Monster Train, Monster Train should be on Switch. Dicey Dungeons launching on, t- on Switch and uh, is incredible. So this, this is a game... Uh, that like weirdly does also have some Slay the Spire DNA, uh, has some like Monster Train DNA. And I do think it's worth mentioning just like off the bat, this is kind of like a burgeoning genre, which I think is kind of one of the reasons you and I wanted to talk about both games this episode. It's like this seems like a thing that's starting to kind of percolate and bubble up a little bit more. There aren't too many games in this genre as, as far as I know at the moment, but every single one seems to knock it out of the park in its own different way. 
Um, there's another one that I'm waiting for called Griftlands. Yeah, I've heard good things. And a about lot that. of people have yeah. talked about. Yeah, on PC, uh, and it is apparently also great that you know eventually that'll show up on a platform and we'll be able to play that and probably gush about it just like we are with these two games. But uh, Dicey Dungeons is uh, just a aesthetically a beautiful video game. I don't even know how to describe this style of art. I just recommend like looking up screenshots or it's GIFs really or something. it's really beautiful. Something I need to point out now because I I don't know why it struck me so hard, but all of the characters, so like the equivalent of the character inside the spire or the uh, the like different factions in Monster Train, there are six different dot dice that all have a different role. Uh, and we'll get into that as we talk about the game. But what I think is really clever is that all their faces are two eyes and a mouth and it's on the three side where their yeah. face is, which I, don't, I did like as soon as I noticed that, I was like, how do you get that good? That's yeah. great. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, the art style is really, really cool. It almost feels like a little bit like like a 2D cutout of stuff, mm-hmm. but it's like really like honestly, like um, not to pit the games against each other, but like the the presentation of Dicey Dungeons is like the best I've seen. Second to like Hades, maybe is like the best <laughs> I've seen like a roguelike look and, and yeah. maybe like uh, one of the more visually appealing games and the soundtrack. You already hyped it up. It needs to be said every day, every episode for from now on. We will say how good the soundtrack to Dicey Dungeons is. Yeah, I man. just let this game like it's great on handheld, but it's also great docked because of the soundtrack. Like yes. having the speakers for this game soundtrack, it's unreal. It is unreal. It is so infectious. Yeah, it's it's like I want to go get the vinyl for it. Good. Yeah, you know, like we'll go into detail, yeah. but I I adore this game. I think that uh, you know it's hard to pin a year to this because it came out on PC in 2019 and it was ported to Switch this month after Goaty season. So yeah. it's like, where does this fall? It doesn't matter. List or list. This game fucking rules no matter when you count it. Yeah, I w- this is one of the reasons that I w- when we were deciding the order of this episode, I was thinking maybe we talk about Dicey Dungeons first because like it is so funny to me to come hot off the heels of Goaty and immediately launch into like another red alert like potential <laughs> like into the Aether Child video game. Yeah, but I, you and I, you and I love this game. Yeah, we might have to Hollow Knight rule Dicey Dungeons for 2021, which makes no sense. But like it doesn't make any sense. But I'm so I'm so fine with that. That's <laughs> totally cool with me. Yeah. Either way, whatever it is this game is definitely on our list of favorites so like you know regardless of lists or whatever like the games we you know this whole show is to celebrate games we love and like every now and then there's one that like really needs to be stressed like yeah yeah, we like a lot of stuff but this is like love (laughs) this is yeah this is intense and dicey dungeons is that I cannot get enough of this game. Do you mind if I go into like kind of how it works? Yeah, I was just about to ask you to. Yeah, I, I think you should. So Here's the th- I uh, didn't think I was going to be very good at describing either of these games, and you just did such a good job with Monster Train. I just want to <gasps> I just want to highlight your incredible work today, Stephen. Thank you. Uh, wow, I, that's I, really nice. I think you should describe how Dicey Dungeons works. I have to. I'll pat myself on the back. It's Goaty season. We can be proud of ourselves. <laughs> I uh, I'm getting very good at this. I think in terms of like summing up how a game works. That's yeah. like a little bit abstract. I think it's my. Mom mom's a teacher i think i had the teacher mm. genes in me to kind of explain the plot of 13 sentinels or dicey dungeon mechanics yeah anyway uh <laughs> so <laughs> as i as i just flop now i roll a one um but uh dicey dungeons is like you said technically a deck builder roguelike even though it's all dice um in the very beginning, it's styled in like a game show presentation and the host is Lady Luck, who's kind of like, 
you know, this sort of mischievous host who's like not very optimistic at the chance of all these contestants to make it through. Yeah. And uh, I'll start by describing the warrior who is the first dice you unlock. Um, and, and you have to learn the game as the warrior, kind of like the ironclad. Um, you quickly unlock other dice, which I'll get into later. But um, the way it works is kind of like uh, Slay the Spire or a lot of other roguelikes. You see a map of, of you know, events um, so you can kind of move around and, and there might be, you know, diverging paths this is all kind of procedurally generated and you'll see enemies on the map. And it's worth pointing out too the enemies are like very funny, like just very like weird designs. There's like a guy with a radio head named Stereo Head or something. And yeah. like they all kind of have like very when, when he shows up on the map, he does like a kind of like yeah. Tom Yorkwood. <laughs> it's awesome. It feels like the enemy's an undertale. Like it has like a lot of like yes. humor in their design and doesn't take itself like too seriously at all, uh, which is fun. But it's like flaunting this vibe. Although sometimes it can be kind of eerie. Like some of the music that can play in this sort of just navigating the dungeon map moments can be kind of like atonal and like mm-hmm. unsettling. Um, but the battle music is like, oh my god, this is like the best like chiptune electro swing hybrid I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> so um, the meat of the game is like, you know, you'll you'll see these points on the map of enemies. And when you get into an encounter, the battle system works where you essentially, for the warrior at least, you get what looks like a hand of dice. So like you'll have like a one, a six or whatever. It's all random, right? Yeah. Um and then on the sort of like on the main screen, you'll see different abilities the warrior has. So the, your main attack is the sword. You put a dice on the sword and the value of that dice will do that damage. Very straightforward. You also have an axe that does double damage of the dice, but can only take up to four. And you might have other abilities that are like only odd or only even and the innate ability that the warrior has that makes them so beginner friendly is that you can do a combat roll, which is re-rolling a dice, and you can do it a finite amount of times. So the warrior is like very straightforward, but even with that, uh, also on the map, you'll see like uh, a market booth um, or an anvil, so you can buy new items, you can upgrade your own items, and what's really cool is that most characters have kind of like a Resident Evil 4 inventory screen where you <laughs> can incredible. only fit in so many things, so your abilities kind of take up like a square or a rectangle. So one of the one of the upgrades might be it just takes up less space than it did before. Right. So um, now you can fit another ability in when you're fighting. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, and, and it's like HP going down to zero. There might also be abilities that have some kind of cooldown. So it might be like twelve to do X damage, uh, and on one turn you might throw a four at it. And then the next turn, it will be eight. So it will register that you spent that amount there. Yeah. So if you have a leftover dice, you know, or a leftover die every time you're, you know, every time it's your turn, you could just like throw it into that. And eventually you'll whittle that down from 12 to zero and then you'll do whatever the effect is. It's awesome. Exactly. Um, and, and with the warrior and with every class there, I think I think there are six episodes that get gradually harder. But at the end of an episode, there's a boss. And uh, if you beat the boss, you successfully clear that episode and the episodes are tied to the sides of the dice it's like one two up to six so the warrior is very fun and honestly i would recommend playing this game with the warrior for like a little bit even if you unlock the other classes because the other classes quickly experiment with that formula in ways that might be overwhelming if you don't have like a solid understanding of the basics wild 
the direction in which they take some. I of these say characters. this as someone who just kept choosing the new hero every time I unlocked them. So Me too. I weirdly have not lost yet in this game, and I and I know I'm just doing episode one of all of these characters, but I've unlocked all the characters and I've won with all of them, and now I have to go oh, wow. and do episode two. I've won with a couple of them. I won with the warrior, and I won with uh, the robot, who is uh, the third one you unlock. The robot's but, um, great. Yeah. Uh, the next character you unlock is the thief, which has a really interesting ability in that they have one ability slot that just copies a random attack that the enemy has, which can be really cool to use. So like there might be, you know, there are different status effects like poison, fire, and a lot of them like burning, for example, will set a couple of your dice on fire and you have to choose to lose two health to use that dice, stuff like that. But what's cool about the thief is not only do they have this sort of enemy skill attack, they also have an ability called lockpick that will split a dice value in half. And the thief is all about getting like a lot of dice that are low numbers. So their attack is the dagger. And I believe it can only be up to three max, but it has, I think, multiple uses. So you can attack more than once. So, and every character also has a limit break. There's a lot of RPG references. Like I, I straight up got a weapon called the Buster Sword. Yes. And, you have, and they call them limit breaks. I love it. But the limit break of the warrior is you can attack twice or it does the next action twice. The limit break of the thief is you just get like six ones or you get like a bunch of ones. And I really enjoy like the thief is like a very okay. Like this is a little bit more interesting. Uh, And you think like, okay, the next class is going to be like a mage or something. It's a robot. Uh, So it's (laughs) immediately like the robot is such a departure from even what the thief is doing. Um, But was immediately, I think, one of my favorite classes because And I'll get into why the robot feels like you're rolling dice more than the other two classes. Absolutely. Leans more into the randomness. Yeah. Yeah. So whereas with a lot of the other classes, you get like a hand of dice, um, the robot, you have to hit the right trigger and get one dice at a time. But you have a CPU like limit that if, if the total number of those dice exceeds, you get like you get you short circuit basically and you lose your turn. Yeah, you're playing blackjack like like very literally yeah. you're playing blackjack <laughs> with the robot where if, if you roll too many dice and you go over that CPU limit, you can't use any of your abilities, uh, which but is wild. If you hit the exact value, you get jackpot, which lets you do uh, either free five bonus damage replenish your health or roll an additional die and there are a lot of abilities the robot gets that can kind of like have fun with that so ultima weapon lets you do twice as much damage if you hit jackpot which is your limit break just like automatic jackpot jackpot i said jackbox you can play quiplash with your friends while you roll (laughs) dice um and uh there's another the buster sword lets you attack even if you do overload so like you can kind of form some strategies around that so the robot's really fun and I don't have the last class unlocked, but the other two real quick are the inventor, who I think is really fascinating. They basically have one attack that's just like a free ability. It might be like do three fire damage, combine all the value of dice, something like really helpful. The trade-off is that after every encounter, you have to choose one of your items to scrap and turn into that new ability. Yeah. So basically you always want to be finding stuff and like making sure like, okay, if I really like these two things and I want to hang on to them, I need to like find a third thing that I don't mind scrapping. Um, and there's a lot of strategy and like, when do I, what do I want for the final boss? And when do I save it for that? So it ends up making you play like an inventor, kind of like scavenging for supplies and, and you know, they, they, they are the most chaotic. They kind of feel like the defect inside the spire where there's like a lot going on, but you can do crazy amounts of damage with them. Yeah. 
it is wild yeah so the the whole thing about scrapping uh the abilities that you have is that like all the abilities that you can find are mapped to different uh things that become your like your your class ability in the next fight yeah um, so a lot of the things that you're picking up and what you're equipping specifically, uh, you have to spend a lot more time like managing your inventory and deciding which things you want to keep on you. You know, like, OK, say I know I'm going into the last fight before I level up or something. Uh, I'm going to want to have a very specific tool set going into it. So the fight before that, you have to spend a lot of time in your inventory hoping to God that when you finish that fight, it'll ask you to scrap the right thing so you can get the class ability. It's like wild, the stuff yeah. you have to do with the inventor. And that's just one of the classes. You know, like, I, I will yeah. say that I think the inventor is probably my favorite class to play as currently They're because a lot of fun. it just feels frenetic and it feels like it takes a lot of work. But I really can't wait to go back and play, like, just through all the different classes again uh, and, and just, like, try episode two on all of them. Because I, I think all of it, Slay the Spire does a really good job of, like, really hyper-balancing all of its classes and and having entirely different decks for all of them and like just feels very well tuned monster train as we said is like the michael bay version of that uh (laughs) but but there's something about dicey dungeons that is like very interested in just kind of like experimenting with its own game design i think um and just like pushing at the edges of what's possible in the in the framework that they've come up with and i think that's why this game like got its hooks in me so quickly is like not only that i love just the base level playing as the warrior which is like the most simple way of doing this game and probably like version 1.0 of dicey dungeons was just the warrior but i really love the risks that they took in how they designed the other classes i i think that it is an actual risk to like throw blackjack in there uh for one of the classes and just like say yeah that's going to be the third class you unlock yeah and and the witch which is the most recent class i got is like so much setup but could be a lot of payoff for like you basically have a spell book that you're creating on the fly it's like you're making your abilities so you can assign like okay if i roll a three that lets me use this spell but you can choose when you roll a number to either make a new spell or to cast it um, and if you can't do anything, you can just throw your dice to do one damage, which is like very fun to do. Yeah, I, I don't know the last character. You can you can tell me if you want. Um, I but, won't. Oh, okay. They seem to be harder to get for some reason. Uh, so one day. But yeah, and what's also worth noting is that the episodes after one will add some kind of like heat to the run. So uh, I was doing episode two with the robot, and the caveat to the run was like if you get duplicate dice. Uh, one of them will vanish right away. There's something with the warrior in episode two that makes it really hard where uh, your equipment has a 50% chance of just not working, um, but you start off with two axes. I think it's called the curse of greed. It's just so much fun. I mean, I think like if I had to say of the two we talked about today, which I like more, I think Dicey Dungeons by a little bit, they're both really fascinating steps forward from a Slay the Spire type game. Uh, like we said before, Monster Train is like a bigger budget, literally bigger idea of a deck builder. And yeah. it's kind of more focused on like, you know, it, it feels like in the Hearthstone magic world. Whereas this game is like, I think, a continuation of the more roguelike parts of a deck builder in that it reduces the deck itself to just numbers. So like you're kind of like going back to basics with that and really focusing on like what you can do yeah. and not like what you're casting. I would almost argue that the deck is it comes in the form of the abilities you're picking up less than, oh, yeah, less than the dice themselves. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, the dice are more like mana now that I think about it. Never yeah. mind. But um, you're right. I mean, it's like just, you know, it's it's a very minimalist take on a deck. Yeah. 
I will say this game, I think, feels overwhelming when you start playing it. I think, like, as, yeah. as simple as it all is and, and as, um, I, I mean, from a UI standpoint, as simple as, as the UI feels, something about the abilities and all the, like, kind of uh, permutations and stipulations that each of those abilities have can feel like a lot. Like, okay, so I can only use this if I have dice that's above a three, you know, things like that. Uh, get kind of weird or like when you start getting like addition problems that are happening in there it's like okay so this is going to do like uh x dice plus one uh but if i throw a six in there then it'll do x dice plus five like those kinds of things that are running through your head feel like a lot i think uh right at the top but when you pick certain classes you kind of know what you're getting into i think um, and, and I don't know, I, I think it's like I said with Monster Train, where like Monster Train's UI can feel overwhelming at the beginning. I think Dicey Dungeons mechanics can feel overwhelming at the beginning. But with continued play, I think both of these games are going to just kind of like unfold themselves before us. Yeah, I mean, and that's why I think I'd recommend playing as the warrior for like a couple runs. I think it took me like three runs to realize what the basics were. But I had like a eureka moment with it. But yeah, I mean, I think it's, I'm just so smitten too by the presentation. Like, I love the art style, like we said. I really yeah. love the the strange merchants you meet. The kind of like, you sent me a picture as soon as you met them. Like, you zoomed in on the character who sells you stuff. Yeah. Because she was like, oh, like, I guess, uh, small spoiler, but you played as a character who got a potion that turned you into a bear. Yeah. So, like, oh, I see you're a bear. I can't sell you anything. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I guess, um, so the thief has the ability to steal, like their, their, their class ability is the ability to steal the ability of the person you're fighting against. Uh, and one of the, uh, one of the enemies I was fighting against was an alchemist who had the ability to like turn themselves into a bunch of different creatures. And I stole the ability to turn into a bear and then decided to turn into a bear because I thought that'd be funny and that I would turn back into the thief at the end of the fight. And I did not. I stayed a bear through the entirety of my playtime. And it also changed all my abilities to bear abilities. And anytime I went around and like opened up a chest that would normally give me another thief ability, I then got more bear abilities. So there's like a whole <laughs> deck of bear abilities that are out there that you can play as. And I beat the game as the bear, which was awesome. It was so fun. But every time I walked into a shop, they're like, I can't help you. You're a bear. You look better than you did before. I'll say that much, but you're a bear. They're all like goblins that have these kind of like like sly grins yeah. it makes it like ominous to buy anything but yeah it's it's so much fun one thing i really appreciate about the design of this game i think is that uh you don't have to fight every enemy in a lot of instances. Like on each floor, you you know you can make your way around this map and there are ways to like avoid enemies if you want to. Like if you're running low on health or something and there's no like health pickups or something. But that said, all of the enemies, if you fight every single one, you will level up to max level right when you go into the last boss. So like there is kind of a risk reward there where it actually yeah. is worth fighting everybody so you can level up all the way because if not, then you won't be max level when you hit that last boss. Um, but you literally have to fight every single enemy to hit max level. Uh, it is the exact amount of experience that you need. And that said, every time you level up, you regain all your health, like you fill up all your health again. So there is kind of an incentive to go fight someone, even though you might be at low health, because it might mean, and I have done this many times now, where I will go into a fight that I like am not equipped for just on the off chance that I win and get all my health back, which has always yeah. paid off so far. Uh, but I know will not, you know, as I increase the difficulty of this. Game. And that adds to the risk reward idea of like the whole dice theme in general, yeah. which I think is really brilliant. Yeah, I mean. 
I think that, um, God, I, I can't recommend this game enough. It is currently on Switch and PC. I also read it's coming to Android and iOS next year. Ugh. So it'll be on mobile as well, Great. which is a dream for you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think, I'm trying to think like if, uh, you know, I, I happen to like Monster Train and Dicey Dungeons a lot. But trying to think, like, in terms of recommending it, which I would recommend over the other if you prefer something. If you, you have, know, yeah, you, if you have all the platforms. Yeah. I feel like you mentioned with Monster Train that, like, we benefited from our time with Slay the Spire. Yeah. Uh, I do think Dicey Dungeons requires less, like, of a prior knowledge of stuff to, to dive into. I think so, too. it is yeah. so unique. But I think you're going to have a great time with both. And, and they are, ex- you know, if both are taking from the same type of genre... This is an example of like you can be inspired by the same game and have dramatically different results. And yeah. these these two are evidence of that. Yeah. It weird it weirdly feels like Hollow Knight to a Metroidvania game, you know, or like a Souls mm-hmm. game. Um you yeah. know, it, it, Dicey Dungeons is a slay the spire like in the way Hollow Knight is a Souls like, I guess. Yeah, that's I think that's a good way to say it. You know, cause it's like, okay, what is this actually taken from? And it's the idea of, you know, there is that risk reward inside the spire as well when you like look at the map and you have to like take you have to take more chances. Whereas Monster Train right. is like a lot of like setup and execution yeah. in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um I am curious though if if you, dear listener, know the answer to this. Is there a game that Slay the Spire is based off of also? Like is there a game that like Slay the Spire you would say is is um I don't know, uh a kind of a riff on in the same way that it feels like Monster Train and Dicey Dungeons are riffs on Slay the Spire? Like I wonder how far back this goes or if Slay the Spire really is kind of like the baseline you know dark souls for this whatever burgeoning genre is i think i think for a modern example of a deck builder roguelike i think it is but i think that both of those genres go back like decades right you yeah know? I, I mean roguelike as a as a genre you know based off rogue uh your, your favorite game what was it what was the sega genesis game i made you play that you hated i don't know uh, i forgot about it you're the one who made me play it <laughs> i purged it from my mind I thought you'd like to play, you know, a really early roguelike. I forgot what it was called. It's on the Sega Genesis collection. It's like something very generic. Um, But anyway, uh, I think in terms of deck builders, I mean, I think Arkham Horror is like a long running series of like that probably has more connections to like a monster train type thing where like you're getting a deck that's original to you and like fighting against like a, a predetermined threat in some ways. Yeah. But I mean, I, I think Slay the Spire does feel like something that is like pulling a little bit from a lot of things and ends up becoming a new genre. And right. now we're like at the next step of that, which is really exciting. Yeah, would would highly recommend both of the games we talked about today. Um, and yeah, I guess too. also Super Smash Brothers Ultimate for the Nintendo Switch. <laughs> uh, yeah, if you if you like uh, Dicey Dungeons, you're going to love playing a Sephiroth. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, Dicey's Dungeons is awesome and I'm going to be playing so much of it this year. And if it really does release on iOS this year, I will probably play a lot more of it on iOS. I think that's the thing. And that's, that's the thing I really love and going back to like the winter season and wanting to play games like this. These are really good, like go-to games where it's like, I'm going to be playing this a little bit for forever. Yeah. You know? This like, is the first time in a long time that I took my switch out of a dock and played it in bed before I went yeah, to sleep. Like, same. I, I haven't done that in a really long time. And Dicey Dungeons got me right back into it in the way that Slay the Spire did, honestly. And I think how Monster Train would if it was on switch. Yeah. I, I'll, what I'll say to you about Dicey Dungeons that runs are a lot faster as well. Yes. So like much faster. If you, if you just have a certain amount of time, like that, that is a really good morning stream game for you, which I think you might start doing. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. I, I think that this might at least for a little bit be the game that I play in the mornings, uh, just to like, I don't know, see how I feel about it uh, yeah. for a while until I land on something more substantial. Cause I finished hollow Knight. 
Did I say that earlier already? I, I played all of Hollow Knight on, <laughs> on stream. The whole thing is available on our YouTube. I can't believe I did that. Uh, That's wild. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I've been talking about it for the past couple of weeks, but I, I finished it last week and it just, it feels between that and Goaty. Oh man. I also did finish it the day that we thought Silk Song was going to be announced, oh, uh, yeah. which was sad, but it is looking like Silk Song is actually going to get announced on the 31st now. So that's exciting. I'm, I'm still optimistic. It's going to be come out sometime this year, you know, in, um, in 2020, in 2021. Oh yeah. Meant. No, I think I'm already, I'm over 2020. <laughs> so yeah, I'm excited for that. But yeah, man, I, I'm just really excited for like, again, not to talk about it too much, but like being past the game of the year episode and like having this kind of blank canvas of like checking out whatever and not really knowing, like, I think this time last year, you know, we had, we've been doing this show long enough that we know that like, it's always kind of like an unknown frontier in terms of what's going to come out, what we're going to really like. Right. But there's always going to be a man. There's always going to be a lighthouse and there's always going to be a city. That's what I was going to say. You got it. Uh, roll the (laughs) dice. Uh, no, what I was going to say was that, um, this time last year, like there were, there were some titles that were like really big that we knew were coming out that we knew would be a big deal for us. Animal crossing. Yeah. Um, FF seven persona five Royal, to name a few, Splunky 2, and even Hades, like we knew about and wanted to play. I just didn't know it was going to be like so high on our list. Yeah, right. Whereas this year, it really does, like, it feels like it's going to be a big year, but I, I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, to I us, don't, yeah, I can't, know? as he's like, look, I've known for about three years that whatever Animal Crossing game was going to come out for Switch was going to be in my top five, you know, if not yeah. my game of the year, whatever year that it came out. I kind of don't know where stuff is going to land this year, but I do know that there are already about 20 to 30 games that I want to play. Yeah. Um, we we, we kind of went off on like a little list at the end of the Goatee episode that was like, here's some stuff that that's coming down the pipeline. And like, I had a big list open and I didn't even say everything because at a certain point it was so <laughs> overwhelming. And I was just like, Oh my God, this is going to be so yeah. much, but like, we're going to be playing a lot of video games this year. And, and I think it's worth reiterating that you and I do this show in a way that like, we are not beholden to games that are coming out only if we're really interested in them. Um, yeah. so I guess like if you're new to the show, like this is not a, this is not a show in which we are going to every week, like play the hot new thing. Like we, we're not going to play cyberpunk anytime soon, <laughs> but, yeah. uh, that said, like there are certain games that will come out and we will probably, you know, play them as quickly as humanly possible to talk about them yeah. on the show just because we're excited about it. It, it. Inevitably, there's always like sometime in September where like we actually do follow the release schedule because it's when everything big is coming out yeah. that we're excited about. Like there will be like eight Final Fantasy 16 episodes and like, <laughs> you know, yeah. oh my uh, God. Just, yeah, I mean, and that's the thing that's like, okay, I'm excited for that, but I have no fucking clue how that's going to go. Because, like, talk about Roll of the Dice. Final Fantasy is different every time. We don't even you know? know what the combat looks like in that game yet. What if it's Final Fantasy 12 again? My dad asked me, he was, because we were briefly talking about what was going on, and, like, he, he appreciates the show, but doesn't, like, know a lot about video games. But anyway, he was like, so there have been a lot of Final Fantasies recently. Like, how do they keep that story going? And I was like, Dad, they're different every time. It's not a direct sequel. Which I was like, this is a disappointing conversation to have both ways. Um, but yeah, man, I'm just... <laughs> I'm just really excited. You know, and I think it's going to be hopefully an easier year in general. Yeah, um, yeah. But also, uh, I'm just excited for what the future of the show holds. You know, I think another thing too, looking back like on the season of the show itself, like this is the first year we had guests on, which like, again, thank you all who have been on the show and who sent us, um, your part of the game of the year episode. Like a lot of the positive feedback we got was largely about the guest segments. So like, yeah, thank you all. And we're definitely going to continue for making our that. episode better. 
<laughs> and we'll definitely continue that tradition going forward, I think. So expect like, you know, I, I think, um, yeah, I, I don't know if we're, it's going to be like a guest for every bonus episode, but we definitely want to have more people on over time when it feels like organic too. Yeah. So yeah, man, I'm just pumped. I'm into it. Dicey Dungeon's fun. I'm excited about the future of the show. What else do you want? Yeah, I... I... Just looking ahead, I mean, there there are a couple interesting and exciting ideas that we have for the show coming up, and I'm really excited to kind of explore in 2021, which uh, I don't want to talk about too much. Um, yeah, I don't I don't like talking about things until they're like ready to be, you know, sure shared. I think in a lot of instances, but there are certain things that if you're in the Discord, you have seen me working on, um, or maybe if you've clicked around certain websites, you may have found, <laughs> uh, which is interesting. Okay, um, I'll just say that on the show. Uh, but yeah, I don't <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's some there's some exciting stuff in the pipeline that I'm really excited about. I mean, uh, even just like the network itself added a show this year, which is fun. Um, so oh, yeah. we Very have exciting. we have Eleven again on the show now. I mean, on the network, which is cool. Yeah, I don't know. There's there's a lot going on. It's exciting. It's really good. I do want to actually throw one more recommendation, uh, one more game recommendation into the fold. I, I saved it specifically for the end of the episode because it's going to be for me and like maybe three other people total. But I always talk about how I play a lot of idle games. and I never really talk about them on the podcast, but there's one I've been playing this week that I've been really interested in. It was just rec- I opened up the app store, and went into the game section and it was just like games you might like. And it was this one and it was called Exponential Idol, which like literally is I'm showing it to Steven right now. It is literally just an equation and a bunch of equations <laughs> where you level up the variables <laughs> in the equation. <laughs> and I was like, no way did somebody make this game that is literally just the actual equation that everybody uses for idle games, but like just displayed to the player <laughs> and you just level yeah. up each of each of the little because th- usually when you, so I'm looking at this equation right now, it is um, T plus DT times F equals F times T times e to the bx dt power that is the equation that i'm working with usually one of those variables would be like you're upgrading your hen house d equals the hen house and t equals the amount of eggs that each of the hens lay in the hen house and like that's how idle games generally work the fact that this game is like no 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 this is just the equation is very funny to me but on top of that there is weirdly a narrative which i was not expecting at all it has like strangely enough turned into like a ted chang level like almost maybe turning sci-fi narrative where you're like a, a kid who's trying to crack uh, the code of what infinity means with like uh, your professor uh, and like devoting your life to kind of like cracking the code of infinity um, and seeing if there maybe is an actual endpoint to infinity, which would like have revelatory uh, ramifications on the way we understand the universe. It is kind of very cool. So it's exponential idol. It's free and it's on the app store on iOS. I don't know about that, Android. That sounds incredible. And I think I just felt like how my dad did when I told him Final Fantasy wasn't linear. Yeah. Like I, that. I, I want to reiterate, <laughs> it is for three people and I'm one of them. No, 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 no. I love it. And I want you to do more stuff like this. I just want you to know like the kind of new emotion I felt in that whole <laughs> section. Sort of like amazement, horror, and like admiration. Look look at this graph, Steven. Uh, it's like I'm watching a shooting star that like might be coming towards me. So there's, like, there's a little bit of danger. The yeah. peaks and valleys that you're seeing are the game uh, buying the upgrades automatically because I don't even have to do that anymore because <laughs> I played it so much. Hey, nerd, what are you playing? Ah, uh, just some equations and there's a narrative. <laughs> uh, it's a weird game. Uh, it's no Soda Dungeon 2. That was a game that like kind of took over the Discord when we talked about it a little bit. Uh, that was a very oh, yeah. good idle game that was like very fantasy adjacent. Uh, this is like real in the weeds weird shit. Uh, but like I, I do cool, want to see more people experimenting with this genre because yeah. 
because the more experiments that happen in idle games like the better stuff we get out of it like space plan was an awesome game that like also was narrative based um there was uh frank lance's uh universal paperclips which was like a brilliant way of explaining the, the yeah. like paperclip uh what is it called the paperclip maximizer experiment and then last year one of the games that almost made it onto my list was game of thrones tale of crows which was an idle game where you're playing as the night watch in game of thrones a series i don't care about but was an incredible experience so yeah, I, don't know. I just want to see more people experiment with that genre. No, I th- I think I also like I learned from Yakuza that I might have a, a stronger taste for idle games than I thought I did because based of the, on business the business management, management sim. sim. Yeah. yeah, incredible. So yeah, that sounds like a really cool take on that like very I guess undernourished genre that you love so much. Yeah, it's cool to see it grow. despite yeah. it. Yeah, I think so too. I've I've noticed less idle games being developed over time, definitely. Um, but the ones that seem to bubble up to the top are the more interesting ones like this these days. Totally, uh, it's either that or like the like worst of the worst kind of situation. You know, like the. <laughs> <laughs> the like Facebook ad, like Farmville adjacent vibe. <laughs> Bubbles. Yeah. <laughs> bubble idol. Bubble idol. Hit the You can bubble. blow more bubbles. Do you want to spend $5? Okay. Yeah. That, that, is, that is what I'm talking about. It is exactly that vibe. Anyway. Here's a pop-up. Oops, this was malware. Sorry. <laughs> bubbles. <laughs> Um, do you want to wrap up? <laughs> yeah, thank you for thank you for indulging me at the end here. Oh, uh, dude, the, this show is indulgence. This is us just kind of drinking true. wine, picking at grapes, and being like, "I thought this was fun. How about you?" <laughs> <laughs> That's the show. You know, I've been thinking for a long time. Spotify gives us the ability to include a trailer for our podcast, uh, just like at the top of the feed for people who've never listened before. And I think that three seconds of you doing that might be our trailer. <laughs> Did you have fun this week? I had fun. How about you? No, I didn't have any fun. <laughs> well, you'll love bubbles then. It's a game where you could spend $5 on a virus. <laughs> I don't know what this is. I just got taken over. It's incredible. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was One of my favorite things about doing this show is just being in awe of whatever weird fucking deity overtakes your entire body and spirit. <laughs> I haven't had any fun this week. <laughs> Well, if you need more fun, why don't you play Monster Train? <laughs> All right. Um, I hate that that's better than our show. That's like the, the horror of that segment is like that's <laughs> like the feedback we're going to get on that segment. Oof. Anyway. Um, hey, we opened with this, uh, but I just want to say in this more sober moment after whatever DD <laughs> just left my body like a hermit crab finding a new shell. Thank you all so much for, for all your kind words. You're still laughing. Did I ruin you? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. Just keep going. Okay. Say, say the nice stuff. It was, <laughs> yeah, I know I've done too much when you're not making any sound, but it looks like you're Pagliacci. <laughs> but nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, sad clowns aside, thank you all for real. Thank you all so much for your kind words about the show. Um, like we opened with, we've seen like a recent like spike in people saying how this show has helped them this year. And that's incredible. You know, we always say this, Brendan and I have a blast making it. And the fact that it can also be positive for people listening is really it. You know, that's like all we could hope for in making this show yeah, is that absolutely. someone else would enjoy it the same way we do. If you like the show, uh, the best way to help it grow is to share it with a friend. 
Uh, we've gotten a lot of recent uh, positive reviews on Apple Podcasts, like really heartfelt and like thoughtfully written. Um, thank you all who took the time to do that. Um, that is another way to really help the show. Uh, so thank you to those who have done that. And if you want to do it and you have, you know, a few seconds to spare, you can just write like, I thought it was good. I had fun. <laughs> you know, it doesn't need to be like <laughs> Brendan and Steven devolve and evolve in front of our eyes like a shooting star aiming right at you. I love like knowing if Brendan and Steven the... had fun or didn't have fun that week. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the ASMR of them picking grapes <laughs> is second oh, to none. This grape is rotten. <laughs> <laughs> no fun at all. No fun. No fun. Just <laughs> hiss at the grape vineyard. God. Uh, if you like the show, which, uh, hey, more power to you after that. Um, <laughs> we also have a Patreon. Uh, as we always say, uh. if backing the show at all uh, puts you in any financial strain, please do not. Uh, but thank you so much to those who are able to. Uh, we, we've seen a couple new patrons, so thank you. That money helps the show grow, but we can always do the show without it. So if at any point you're like, you know what, this isn't sustainable, no no hard feelings. We understand completely, especially right now. Yeah. I guess just to explain uh, a, a little bit further, the, the whole idea of the network TWG like as a whole was this idea that like once we have spent the money on like, okay, now we have microphones and we can record ourselves and we have headphones, we can like listen to our co-hosts. Um, it actually doesn't cost anything for us to make the show and we would continue doing so even if there were no people backing us in any way, shape or form. So when we say like, you know, the show isn't contingent on backing, uh, that's kind of what we mean. Uh, yeah. It does allow us to do more things and check out more things um, and kind of like upgrade our ability to do things. Right. So like, uh, for example, uh, you're, you're thinking about getting a new laptop sometime soon. Uh, and I, I think when that happens, we're also going to get you a new capture card so you can start streaming from Xbox and from Switch, uh, yeah. which you don't have the capability of doing at the moment. Things like that. Like, that's the kind of stuff that we yeah. use the Patreon money for. Um, ideally, we would also be able to cover the cost of uh, allowing AJ to edit the podcast uh, because we we pay him handsomely for his work every year, every week. He helps me have fun. Yeah, a few exactly. coins. Oh, this will do. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, that, that those are the, those are the kinds of things that we want to use the Patreon money for. So I, I guess we haven't explained in a long time like what that means. So no, yeah, that was that was a really apt description. We're both just like wrestling away from this bit. I know it's really difficult. <laughs> it's we really should probably hard. just end the episode, right? <laughs> I do have one more thing to say. Sure. Um, one last announcement before we officially sign off um, is uh, we said this on leakage.mp3 and originally that might have been the only place we said it, but uh, I think we do want to get some listener questions. Our bonus episode this month is going to be for Skyrim, Elder Scrolls V, and uh, we're very excited to do that. So expect that at the end of the month. And um, if you have any questions like for that episode, like about the game or about our time with that series, like feel free to send that to us on Twitter, in the Discord, uh, or email it to us and again all links are into the casta online um, so expect that in a couple weeks probably like at the end of the month that will be like an actual end of the month thing yeah yeah I'm really excited about that me too it'll be fun yeah in case you're wondering why Steven and I have been not so secretly streaming Skyrim so much recently <laughs> yeah just to get a little bit more time into it that that has been planned to, I guess peek behind the curtain that's that's been one of the bonuses planned for a while yeah we we planned the entire year's worth of bonuses I don't know in like August like the rest of 2020 um, yeah and, and some of it has switched around a little bit like we were planning on doing the, the Mario 35th anniversary one uh, until that game was announced and came out within like two weeks yeah uh, and 13 sentinels yeah and, and um, 13 sentinels but uh 
Yeah, we don't have anything planned for 2021 yet, which is exhilarating. Which is very exciting. Yeah, it could be anything. I really, I mean, honestly, I really, really love doing the bonus episodes. Like, I love, I love doing the show in general. But it's really fun just to choose a game to zero in on, and it's it's fun that we've done both. Like, you know, here's a game that just came out that we like gotta dive deeper into. Totally. Uh, Seeing so that happen with like 13 Sentinels with Last of Us Part Two. And then there might be something like Pokemon Crystal where like, what if we go back to something that we really love and kind of explore why or if it still has that power? Yeah. And I think Skyrim will be more akin to that where it's like such a kind of modern classic that has set a blueprint that we often kind of refer to even still. Right. Um, and I think it'll be interesting to kind of put more time into it right now and, and kind of see where that goes. But I, I think it will be a really positive and fun episode. It's going to um, be so fun. So, yeah, it's going to be great. I'm having such um, a good time revisiting Skyrim. This is fun, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Brendan Bigley. You can find me on the internet at Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. You can find me at Stephen Hilger. Have a wonderful rest of your day. And also, happy holidays. This is coming out like pretty close to Christmas. Oh my God. God, yeah. So if you celebrate, have a great and Merry Christmas. Um, and for every other holiday, please enjoy yourself in this tough time as well. I hope you had, will have, and have a great holiday season. Yeah, totally. Goodbye. Bye.